Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Dan, one of your hosts here. Brandon, somewhere in Vegas, hopefully not recreating the hangover, but... As always, regardless of where he is in the world, which I think is Omaha this weekend, home, 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 Nick Verlaney, making it happen, early morning call, never misses, never. That's right. Iron Man, you know me. Um, yeah, I'm back I'm back in Omaha, if you will. Uh, wow, that's to, awful. It's, it's amazing is what it is, Dan. Um, yeah, just celebrating a friend's uh, baby shower and, and doing all that kind of stuff, so yeah, excited to be back and excited to talk about a win and to to have one of our most favorite esteemed guests back on the show for the 195th time. Well, it's 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 RJT, not John Terry, but it is Joe <laughs> Tweeds. Joe, welcome back. It has been far, far too long, good sir. Yeah, glad to be back, guys. Yeah, it has been too long. Been uh, a little bit busier than usual this season, but I'm uh, glad to have a chat with you guys on this uh, fine Sunday Mid mid afternoon for me, I suppose now, but early morning for Nick. Yeah, well, it's, you know, we we don't mind an early morning. Early morning call is fine. That's not a problem. We, you know, we we also want to be respectful of not uh, putting you into the wee hours of night. So it's uh, it's always a negotiation. Uh, <laughs> maybe not one that we need to bring Marina in for, but we'll we'll figure it out ourselves. Agreed. Uh, Nick, you have a theme for today's show. Uh, I shot down a pun earlier that you tried <sighs> to use, but I still think it made it into this script. And so just let the people have it. Give it, give it a second to marinate, and then we can make fun of you for it. The the one you shot down was tragic of the cup, um, which is fair. Look, that one that one shouldn't have made it. 
so so the uh, the overall theme of today's show is haven't learned a whole lot. Haven't learned a whole lot, Joe. Um, a lot of I, a lot of I, same I mean, mistakes. I quite, I quite like it. I do quite like it actually. <laughs> it's better than a whole a whole lot of love, but uh, yeah, I mean, equally as yeah. terrible. <laughs> I, I think it's all, it's 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 really helped out by the fact that Nick does have a John H. Benjamin voice, and I can kind of picture Bob from Bob's Burgers saying something like that. Sure, yeah, it just <laughs> sure. It, it really just aligns, so we're okay with that. But the topics we'll cover today, we're going to get into Misha Bashway's opportunity to impress with Tammy's sideline and how he got on. We have Kovacic's generally bright performance out of a mo- outside of a moment of madness. We have Tomori's return to the starting eleven, and maybe maybe a little updated power ranking in the center back situation, and more. Nick, we do have some uh, Apple Podcast reviews though, and typically I read them. But since Brandon absconded and hopefully is winning a fair amount of money, I think you should read them. Sure. Uh, we have Scott's flag is blue. Well done. We have T Huntgate ninety nine. We have Justin from Kalamazoo and Zeldas ninety two. Uh, four five star reviews. You know what to do. We've been doing this for five and a half years. If you want to be shouted out on the show, leave a five star review. About a billion of you have so far. We just need a billion more, Dan. That, that's how this works. I do appreciate that T Huntgate said that it was a five star review for me, and because Brandon is an nope. Iowan. No, uh, that is a miss. He misspoke there. Actually, he he really wanted to shout out me. So it's okay, T. Young Gate. Not a misspoke. It's because it's text. Go away. It's like like the equivalent of libel. Anyway, so we have Patreon as well. We want to thank Marlene for for jumping in. We are getting shipping underway uh, this week with the, the badges we got going on. Uh, I also know from a structural update, we still have some scarves left as well. We shipped a bunch of those out last week, uh, $20 US, $25 internationally. So get on that if you'd like. Scarves, they keep you warm when it's cold outside, and it's a beautiful blue and talks about the fact that we are the only team in London with the European Cup, which is quite exciting. Anyway, match review, we're jumping into it, we're getting there. The opponent was Hull City. It was the FA Company Cup 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 at the KCOM Stadium this past Saturday, January 25th, 2020. Scoreline, Hull City 1, Chelsea 2. We have some goals. We had a six-minute goal from Ishii Bashwai. We'll listen to that back. Kovacic. What a good ball that is to Aspilicueta, who's absolutely pinned that. And Mason Mount on the first, Batshuayi, that'll do nicely. Then, not to be outdone in the second half, Fakao Tamori, big thick energy on this goal. Looking far post, Tamori! How about that? The former Hull player puts Chelsea in charge now. So Ross Barkley takes it, and what a ball it is. A simple finish in the end for Tamori, but well worked. And then Hull pull one back in the 78th minute, and we just... We'll suffer through listening through that right now. Just past the far post. Kane is still an option. Oh, it's Grzycki who takes it. Huge deflection, and what do you know, it's in. I mean, he should be standing strong there, Kovacic. There shouldn't be a gap between players. No chance for Caballero. All right, well, those were the goals, but at the end of the day, Chelsea come out on top, punch their ticket to the next round of the FA Cup. And, Nick, we did have a lineup. There were 11 players on the pitch, but eight of them, were changes from Frank, so uh, maybe some some surprises there. 
Question mark? It's a question mark. I am Ron Burgundy. Um, okay, so uh, Frank noted uh, in his midweek press conference that that Willie Caballero would start in goal. I think spelling Kepa uh, at a time where he probably needed it. Uh, then we had Aspilicueta, Zuma, Tamori, Alonzo as a back four, Ross Barkley, Mateo Kovacic, and Mason Mount uh, in the midfield three. And then Pedro, Mishi Batuayi, and Callum Hudson-Odoi starting up front with substitutes of Andreas Christensen, William, Jamie Cumming, uh, Emerson Palmieri, Billy Gilmore, Tarek Lamptey, and Ian Matson. So uh, a very young uh, lineup, Joe. A lot of changes. Uh, I think the only question I had as we headed into it would be, you know, around cohesiveness and and getting players who maybe haven't had a whole lot of time recently kind of back up to speed quickly. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, I think the the problem that you have with these sort of one-off games, particularly in one-off team selections, I think that you you kind of don't really know what sort of performance you're going to get on a day. I mean, you know, we have obviously a clearly talented uh, group of players starting, but. You know, when you haven't played for a, a pretty significant amount of time, in, in the case of Pedro and Batshuayi and a few others, we're not playing as regularly, Barkley and Alonso, um, and, and obviously Caballero being sort of the names that jump out there, then it is often quite difficult to just sort of flick on a switch and expect some sort of cohesive uh, kind of play or structure to sort of unfold before us. And I think personally that the game felt a little bit like... Uh, like that to me watching it, it felt like we, we had a sort of a selection of 11 players who probably have, have never played in the same sort of starting 11 before trying to sort of go through the, the motions of, of beating a team that they should beat you know, 99 times out of 100. So interesting team selection. Um, I think some players definitely uh, definitely made a, a case for them to be, be included a little bit more frequently. Um, I'm looking particularly at, at Fikeo Tomori. Um, but I think others as well were, were pretty disappointing. And, and we, with that sort of respect, I'm looking pretty much squarely at Pedro. I think probably one of the most disappointing performances I've seen from from him in a Chelsea shirt and probably signals the the end of, uh, of his time here if he can move on to, to another club in, in the end of this uh, window. Well, you shouldn't spend too much time talking about it, but some of the decision-making in your own third to keep the ball uh, was, was, was quite... Uh, I don't know. It's like a jazz artist who decided to just like start uh, start going on his own way, and then did not consider the fact that he was part of a group. Just wanted to kind of go freestyle himself. Not great. Nope. Uh, all right. So the top line stats, uh, just quick. We had sixty five percent of the possession to holes, thirty five, sixteen shots there, fourteen, seven on target to there, two. Tied for eight corners apiece, eight tackles there, three, two offsides to there, one, two yellow cards to there, one. Not a whole lot other stat-wise. Again, it was a little bit of a, you know, just stop-and-go kind of match experience. But one of the big changes this starting 11 as we get into it was Mishi getting the call-up with Tammy being out injured, getting back to full fitness. And so he got his opportunity to stretch his legs and found, again, the back of the net, within six minutes, thanks to uh, quite a friendly deflection. But kind of taking a look at his performance overall for a striker who's been questioned and really kind of got uh, Frank on his case, talking about what he needed to deliver this week. Joe, how do you think Mishi did on on the whole of his game today, not just bagging a goal? Yeah, I mean, if, if you take sort of the, the goal out of the equation, and it was, it was sort of just a kind of a, a pretty forgetful finish you know sort of scuffed into the ground and whatever it took like a deflection or whatever went in I think he was okay today actually um I think one of the the, the big sort of criticisms of him is is when he started he he often looks a little bit kind of 
almost like he's, he's playing to his own rhythm and playing to his own sort of set of instructions. Um, I think traditionally I've, I've not seen him sort of in the positions that I would expect a Chelsea centre forward to be. And he seems to just sort of, you know, kind of play very much off the cuff, but um, I think in, in general, uh, I, I think, he, I think he did. Okay. I mean, again, he, he's a player that says, I'm not even sure how many minutes he's played this season, but he's, he's barely figured in terms of the, in terms of the Premier League. And certainly he seems to be sort of just a, a rotational option um, at the moment. And obviously with, with Tammy being injured, he's kind of the next man up, but I thought he was, he was okay. Um, you know, uh, some of the movement was, was decent. I think the, the, the point you made in the, in the script about him staying on side was, was quite funny because I think that's uh, certainly something that we sort of associate with, with his, his performances is this kind of unerring ability to sort of remain kind of consistently offside rather than onside. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> it, was it was quite a nice, uh, a nice change there. But no, I think some, some nice little moments in the game. Um, I don't think it's, it's probably enough at this point to, to start him ahead of Tammy, you know, if, if both are fit. But I think it will probably be something that gives uh, Lampard and probably the players and probably Batshuayi himself a little bit more confidence if he is to start the, uh, the next game, which is against a, a considerably more uh, difficult uh, opposition. And so, Nick, I know that, you know, as Joe kind of mentioned there, you know, obviously stayed on sides quite frequently, which is a plus positive. You know, I guess my question would be is, like, do we feel like he put himself in enough situations to shoot? I feel like I remember a couple of times where he's in the box, the ball was near him or, you know, kind of at his feet, and he just wasn't able to kind of make the movement quickly enough to put himself in a situation to actually get a high-quality shot, which was maybe where my concern is still, that he is getting the ball but still is finding maybe not the the right rhythm or frequency of getting things done. Yeah, I mean, he had that, you know, really good uh, take uh, from, you know, the over-the-top ball that he kind of pushed out wide and had a, had a shot and that got deflected out for a corner. And he had a couple of other smaller moments or smaller chances throughout the game. Overall, I thought he was fine, just like Joe. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a, a you know perfect performance, but it, you know, it, was, it was enough for us to scrape through, which is, you know, sometimes what you need. I think my, my larger issue, and it's something that we've talked about a lot recently, is just final third passing. I mean, there were so many great moments of buildup until we got to the box and the cutback wasn't right or the cross wasn't right. And it's, you know, you could see at times, Joe, that yeah. he would crash in expecting the ball to be somewhere that it certainly wasn't. And I think more than anything, that's still what's kind of eating me up right now because it's not as if we're really struggling to to get to the box. It's It's actually been quite easy for this team, but they can't figure it out in the final third. I think a, a microcosm of, of Chelsea's season was actually the goal. I mean, Aspilicueta's cross was, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was both strange and horrifying at the same time. I mean, the fact that, um, you know, you could, <laughs> you can overhit a ball that much when, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really want to do that much of his service, but I mean, I, I genuinely think most people on Twitter could have found, found that, found that pass, you know, it, it was, it seemed to be kind of a really weird reflection of, of our season as a whole. As you say, you know, it's it's not really been about getting into positions to to play the pass. It, it's actually the the sort of the technical execution of the final ball itself, which seems to be so horrible on, on so many occasions. And, and this isn't just a you know, something to do with Aspilicueta. This is generally a, a team thing where we seem to find ourselves in, I think, in some, in some pretty good positions. We seem to work the ball wide, um, find some good positions. But then that that sort of final end product is is generally very, very much below par. So... 
yeah, I mean, you know, some of the some of the build up was fine, but it, it it's a little bit sort of I suppose when we get into the final third and and maybe something that I'll touch on a little bit later in the, in the State of the Nation podcast, but it seems to me like there is almost very little in terms of planning, very little in terms of structure. And it's almost a little bit like the players have to sort of figure things out for themselves. And I don't think really that we have the level of talent who can who can play that off-the-cuff stuff to the level that, that is required to break down teams who sit on the back of their, their penalty area. So interesting uh, interesting kind of game. Again, I think it was you know, another one of these sort of cut and pace performances that you could take from a number of times you've played this season where it's you know, very, very kind of indiscriminate. You don't, there's no real sort of massive uh, positive takeaway it's very very samey in, in in much of a respect of how we played this season so yeah I just thought it was a another one of those games which is certainly not going to be having a, a DVD made of it in, in any sort of uh, circumstances but uh, yeah that that has been a quite a cross for the for the goal well, that eventually led to go I think was was both uh, one of my kind of little funny sort of moments where I just chuckled to myself because it's it's such a reflection of how the season's gone do, do you feel like Joe and it's something that I was kind of pondering yesterday too uh, do you feel like we screw up the easy chances and and convert some of the harder ones? Like to me, it feels like we a lot of the times we'll do the hard part and then screw up the final pass and then you know it'll be done and then you'll have the moment like Espilicueta's cross today that gets banged off somebody <laughs> and then it's it's another deflection. It's a huge deflection that takes the ball the complete opposite direction that Mishi's obviously trying to go with it. I, I don't know. I feel that way at times, and it might just be my perception of how maybe a little bit unlucky we've been. But I'm I'm getting that sense where it's like they're they're I don't know what this team can do other than just try and convert harder chances, and maybe we'll get lucky. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's it's strange because I I was sort of thinking this the other day where actually we've almost become the embodiment of Solomon Kalu in terms of <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the kind of the, the team that we've become, you know, for people maybe who are a little bit younger, Kalu was, was known for probably missing every single one-on-one that he ever had. But, you know, if he had half a second to hit an over-the-shoulder half volley from 25 yards out, it's probably going to go in the top right-hand <laughs> corner and it would happen. It would happen with kind of unerring frequency that he'd score these ridiculously difficult goals, but, but not really be capable of, of finishing sort of the bread and butter stuff. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a definitely a, a fair point, Nick. Um, I, I think again, it's you know it, it's very hard to kind of pinpoint it down just to sort of any one thing. But I think a, little, a lot of it comes down to um, the fact that we, we don't have that many what I would consider to be sort of natural goal scorers or natural finishers in the team. Um, you know, beyond Tammy, I, I'm not sure how many other players are regularly sort of hitting double double figures in their in their career in the league um, or, or any really that you know you would you would kind of put in that sort of upper echelon of finishes in that, in that you'd have a lot of confidence in. So I, th- I think it's a lot of it is, is down to the fact that I just, I don't think we have that many pure, pure finishes in the side anymore beyond uh, Tammy. And even Tammy is often guilty of, of scoring some of the more difficult chances and missing some of the easier ones. So he's also kind of a, a little bit of an embodiment of, of the way that this season has gone for the team. Oh, those are, those are some scary thoughts to think about Kalu as our example, <laughs> our embodiment for how we're performing. Our formation, yes, yeah, our philosophy. <laughs> Clarification uh, of the Chelsea team. Yeah, yeah I think for, for a more modern reference, we could go with the, the Pedro experience because that's how. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think the other thing that, you know, just from a, maybe a saving Mishi a little bit or taking a little bit off of, of him being kind of the, the opportunity point is I think the, you know, Pedro didn't seem to put himself in positions to help. I think Callum was a, a little bit more muted than his uh, last performance that we saw him where I think he was. Uh, had a bit more fire in his belly and was kind of driving in some pretty pretty unique ways. And 
uh, and Alonzo getting back up to speed was a bit of a challenge. I just didn't didn't feel like there was a ton of great service. And yeah, I think Joe, that's another thing. Just you know, as we kind of think about it, not not even just the like the quality of the finishing, but sometimes the the service when we when we don't have Reese James in the lineup, um, who is yeah you know, one of the few people in the team who can actually cross a ball accurately. Uh, it, it definitely feels like that we we haven't put our you know, strikers kind of primarily in a position to be successful. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, I think you, you have, and, and not just really in the whole game, but sort of in, in general, the sort of structure of Chelsea teams that aren't really that many sort of super creative players within the side. And I think, you know, Callum is is very much sort of still recovering from, from that injury. And I think you can see it in his play, occasionally being tentative. Pulisic has been... Injured for a while now, but uh, again, kind of falls a little bit into that that category where I think he was he was starting to score a few goals, but then obviously gets injured, which isn't fantastic. William is is hot and cold, and then if you go to sort of the the, the typical Chelsea kind of midfield conversation uh, composition, sorry, you have I think Mason Mount has his moments. I don't think he is a a creative player in in the sort of traditional sense of being able to pick sort of really uh, kind of esoteric through balls or seeing things that that other players don't see and. You know, Kante and, and Kovacic and Jorginho for me is a is a very kind of passive midfield in terms of what they do with the, the ball sort of in, in general. So in, in terms of the, the whole game, you know, Barkley can can be decent. He can be not decent. You know, I, I think people have sort of come to the conclusion with him now that, you know, you, you're just going to get some sort of performance on the day. And, you know, you can't really sort of rely on him in, with, with any sort of consistency. And, you know, I think we'll touch on a bit later, but, you know, Mount has been has been carrying a, a injuries apparently for a considerable amount of time. And you sort of wonder really why he's he's sort of playing with such kind of regularity at the moment. So, um, you know, the quality of, of chances that we create, I think we create a high volume of them. Whether the whether the quality is that great is uh, is certainly for me up for debate. And beyond sort of as you say this this kind of tendency to try and work the ball wide and, and look for these uh, look for these kind of you know super kind of super accurate or super sort of um, sort of super accurate crosses from from Reece James that there isn't a whole deal of of what you can kind of pinpoint is sort of the playing philosophy, particularly in the final third. So I think that is something that, that Lampard in particular, um, with, with Morris and, and, and Edwards and Co. Will, will need to start to work, uh, work on a lot more is, is how do they create a better quality, quality of chances? Because at the moment, you know, they're, they're either falling to the wrong people or they're just not really being in positions that I think are hurting teams enough. Well, that is a good point to leave our kind of attack on. We will take a very, very quick break and we'll be back to talk about the midfield going into Kovacic's mostly great day. Talk a little bit about Tomori and then go into some of the specifics around what Frank had to say after the match. So we will be right back after this brief, brief message. All right. Well, Kovacic, the midfield. I know Joe talked about that just briefly here, but he generally had what I thought was a really strong performance yesterday outside of a one interesting, read terrible moment set piece defending. <laughs> Uh, very, very unique. Again, uh, the the jazz player who just went off on his own beat. Um, without Jorginho and Conte in the pitch, he owned that deeper role, Nick. And I felt like that's probably my favorite place to watch him play. But how, how did you feel about how Kovacic performed in the absence of Conte and Jorginho and just maybe on, on an overall remit yesterday? Uh, I think for one half, it was incredible. Um, it was visionary. It showed a lot of the different tools that he has in his tool belt. Um, for the other half, it was not as good, if I'm honest, and not just because he gave up a goal after 
shouting back and forth with Willie Caballero about his positioning. Um, it's just he was not able to get back on the ball in the same way. And I think when he is on, he is incredibly dynamic, Joe. But to me, you know, I, I look at this as kind of a Jekyll and Hyde, right? I mean, it's a team that you should be beating comfortably at halftime. It's a team that, you know, Kovacic himself is taking apart at will in the first half. And and then we, you know, because we we can't play two consistent halves of football anymore, we walk out the second half and it and it's just not it's like seventy percent of what he's done in the first half and I, I I don't get it but I know it's it's good to see flashes of what he can be when he's fully fully engaged it's just I'm I'm very confused about why we don't see that as consistently yeah it's a it's a good question and I think the my kind of overriding sense with with Kovacic particularly sort of when we see him play as, as kind of the, the deeper midfielder is that that he probably is is more tailor-made to, to playing in that role against a lot of the teams that we play who have this sort of deep defensive block. So you could argue sort of, you know, your kind of Newcastles and maybe some of the other teams that we've played recently where they've had a, a very kind of deep-sitting uh, back four or back five as it was against uh, Newcastle that maybe Kovacic is a is a slightly better bet to start there than, than Jorginho. You know, he's, he's far more progressive in terms of what he can do with the ball if we're talking about his ability to, to dribble and, and sort of actually carry carry possession through midfield. And I often kind of wonder why, you know, when you have teams that are sort of in the area that you want kind of Jorginho in that holding role when, when his, his strength is playing those sort of kind of neat passes under pressure um, and playing out of sort of pressure situations when teams are, are pressing or counter-pressing and, and when kind of teams step off of him, I've, I've often kind of felt that I just I just don't see him being as as a, a remotely effective player, very very ineffective in some cases. So I think what this uh, performance probably, as you say, in particularly the the one half that we saw that was 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 very good in most cases. I think hopefully that that gives Lampard some sort of food for thought in terms of his future team selections, because you know the more that we the more that we play these teams that are have this almost blueprint of beating Chelsea, which is to you know, sit deep, uh, a bank of four or five at the back, and then a, a very compact and, and sort of deep-sitting midfield and, and asking Chelsea to break them down, you know, asking the questions, do you have the, the vision? Do you have the creativity? Do you have the ability to, to score against us when we're quite happy to just sort of sit here? And I think often, you know, we've seen particularly the the, the big three midfield that people will say, you know, the Kante, the, the Kovacic, or Junior midfield, that it lacks so much in terms of that sort of ability in the final third that, I think now you've got to start looking at a different way of attacking some of these teams. And I think Kovacic, again, if you can get that that half of football that's very good, if you can get him to replicate that for 80 minutes, even, you know, it doesn't have to be a full 90 from him. I think actually, it actually allows you to to be a little bit more on the front foot, to be a little bit more creative. Um, I think against, against Todd, particularly first half, you know, as, as you say, very much sort of conducting play in the way that you'd expect someone of his, of his talent to do so. And it also allows you to play maybe two slightly more offensive-minded players in, in those sort of other two midfield spots if you really want to. Um, but it, it, it's 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 going to be a tricky one because I think that he is, I don't want to say he's he's inconsistent, but I think that there are, you know, he suffers a little bit maybe from a, a misconception of what he is as a player. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a a player who is, who is this kind of, uh, I don't want to say effective in the final third, but maybe sort of a definitive or, or, or kind of a player who is, is going to be destructive in the final third with his passing, his his moving, his ability to score, um, his creative edge. So you know, I think sometimes, when particularly when he plays in that left central midfield spot, the onus is kind of a little bit from, from sort of Chelsea 
um, players in that position to be a bit more attack-minded, to have a little bit more, bit more of an effect on the game. And I think sometimes, because that's not his natural um, element, that sometimes he suffers a little bit from that perception of him not being that type of player. So I think maybe, as you say, this kind of holding role, sort of this kind of screening role that he was playing, maybe, you know, it, with sort of a, a different combination of, of players helps uh, Chelsea look at the, the the struggles that we've had with some of these teams who play these sort of very deep defensive blocks against us and maybe sort of actually be a little bit more on the front foot, be a little bit more aggressive and, and actually sort of, you know, kind of solve the, the problem and answer the questions that these teams are asking us. So, you know, but, I mean, beyond the, the second half, I, I, I'm really unsure as to why his performance level dropped so significantly. Um, you know, it can't just be a question that the whole, whole felt, you know, Chelsea were a little bit there for the taking, came out and sort of up their own performance level a little bit. You know, this is a team which are, you know, I mean, very, very comfortably poorer than Chelsea in, in every single aspect of, of play. So it shouldn't have been a question that they just sort of turned up and actually started putting us under pressure. But yeah. it, was, it was a tricky one in terms of the second half. But I think, you know, in the long run, maybe that they found a position for Kovacic, particularly given the struggles that we've had against some of these teams recently. I mean, I think to your point, Joe, I, I think we have to take the level of competition into effect um, when, when talking yeah, exactly, about this, yeah. right? Uh, however, I will say, and I want to get Dan's point of view on this, some of the through balls that we saw yesterday, especially the one to Barkley, um, you know, which I, I thought was great and that, you know, Barkley was kind of unlucky not to score, um, which would have put us up 2-0 within 10 minutes, I think, or something like that. That, to me, has been something that we've been desperately missing, Dan. And, you know, if if he's a guy that can help maybe provide some of those deeper passes that we've been craving uh, over the last few weeks uh, specifically, then then I'm all for it. I, I, you, I think you just need to see it a little bit more consistently. Well, there's the pass to set up Azpilicueta's, uh, you know, assist on the, the, the Bashwai <laughs> goal. I don't and... think you got credit for that one, Dan. Uh, I mean, but but he's kind of the the pass before the pass, right? You yeah. know, I mean, people have talked about the pre-assist. It's pre-assist, uh, Bilicueta, as you know. Wow, well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, I, you know, I think that's where you know, kind of the the point that you know Joe is making is that like he's not going to be the guy who's going to get the assist, but potentially he's the guy who's going to be able to carry the ball forward to get a pass to someone, you know, someone who is a little bit more creative, more attacking minded. Uh, again, we can look at Kovacic's goal scoring record over his career and probably feel pretty confident that we're not entrusting him to be our goal scoring midfielder or add kind of a lot from a creativity standpoint there. But I think what we should be able to trust is his ability to be effective in in winning back the ball and you know screening across our, our back four or center back pairing and then being able to to carry it, you know, really box to box to be able to to try to support us there. And so yeah, I think has has really sharp passing and just again it seemed seemingly regressed in the second half just a touch and uh, I'm not sure maybe why that is. Uh, you know, I think giving away a, a you know a, a massive deflection on the wall was um, yeah I, I don't know I've never seen that taught anywhere um, even when I was playing soccer at a uh, you know a very young age Joe that you uh, you turn away uh, as the ball is being kicked that seemed like it was a very uh, I think they'll be coached out of Kovacic in the next uh, week here by Frank <laughs> well I mean it's it, you know it's, it's not the first time if you go back to the Arsenal game he also had Jorginho sort of turning his back on the shot as well so it's it's great for someone who who grew up with the likes of sort of Makaleli, Michael Essien, Palak, Maka, you know all these sorts of uh, 
players who, who certainly wouldn't sort of, you know, just throw themselves out of the way of a football. Let's put it that way. That We've now got uh, Kovacic and Jorginho manning up in, uh, in midfield on a weekly basis. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's something you coach out of kids when they first start. You know, you've got to sort of try and get something on it. I mean, look, look at John Terry, you know, he would even do the uh, slightly illegal use of the, the hands out to the side to sort of make himself bigger. You've got sort of players now in our team who seem to regularly want to sort of jump out of the way of the ball rather than block it. It's it's a little bit reflective, I think, of, of, of sort of maybe the, the difference in mentality between you know those sorts of Chelsea sides who would go on and challenge in Champions League and and this group of Chelsea players who are a little bit more kind of around the sort of Europa League, fourth in the Premier League level. It's a uh, it's a small thing, but you know if you look at the the way uh, you know kind of the the sort of the the, the, psych, the psyche, if you want, of the, this Chelsea team has kind of moved into a little bit more of a softer direction. I think it's a pretty good summation that, you know, in the past couple of games, we've seen two of our uh, holding players ducking out of uh, the way of footballs rather than trying to block them. I, it's uh, it's like the, uh, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West and water, you know, just kind of getting out of the way. Otherwise, I think they're going to melt. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Melting. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, that's, that's exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 one of my, it's one of my absolute pet peeves. So it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly something that irritates me a little bit. Uh, I know it's not in the script here, but you mentioned the, the Mason thing around kind of the carrying injuries. You know, we saw that Simon, John, Johnson from the Athletic, uh, you know, tweeting out about, you know, 35 out of 40 matches making some type of appearance and seemingly carrying knocks on. Uh, maybe kind of just talking about him and his performance in here, Joe. How do you think about just him maybe structurally within, you know, this season? And, you know, kind of also with that bearing in mind, like, why is he continuing to play if he is carrying those knocks and injuries? I think it's, it's primarily down to his work rate. And I think the... The direction that Lampard in particular wants to go to is this sort of high pressing and sort of you know, high volume and high pressing sort of team. Well, I think actually Mason is probably the only player who, at least sort of from a, an athletic standpoint, is is capable of of actually, you know, sort of pressing for for ninety minutes in in sort of most uh, in most cases. So I think from a from a structural perspective, the reason that he has played so much is because I don't think Lampard trusts other players to to sort of put in that in that sort of shift that that he does. Um, no, I think it's it's been very detrimental to him at times. I think you know he he probably more than most looks or has looked in need of a rest for for some period of time. And you know the fact that he you know, he played obviously sixty seventy minutes he played against uh, against Hull. That you know it, it seems to me like this was a game that we certainly could have you know not played him and, and been been more than fine in. So it's a little bit concerning that uh, you know he's he's being picked for games that you might even. Not going to say the gimmies, but I mean at least an opportunity to rest some of your more sort of key players or players that you perceive to be key for the system. So, you know, I think that it's that off the ball work that I think is what Lampard really appreciates with him. He is obviously a, a source of goals as well in a team that that really struggles to to sort of create and and, and score with with you know sort of uh, maybe not create but actually sort of score the the opportunities that that come up. So I think maybe he he sees Mason as one of the one of the better finishers in the team. So. So picks him with with more regularity, but uh, you know, I mean, I think again, he's he's had a you know he's had an okay season. I think he had an okay game, played played pretty well. Um, but I think there there are certainly times now, particularly with this run of games coming up, where I would have preferred him if he was going to play, you know, against the Leicester's and United, etc. Sort of those that that sort of stretch of games we have coming up, I would have much preferred him to have been a little bit fresher than what he is because he. He seems to be. I'm not, I'm not saying he's running on empty, but I mean he's he's nowhere near as effective as he was, you know, two two three months ago in terms of how how much he's uh, working. And it, he seems to get for an awful lot of running per game. So you know, I would try and 
try and limit his his workload where possible. But Lampard obviously seems to have a slightly different opinion on that. Nick, I know that you, uh, you know, you're, you're you're a bit of BFF with Mason Mount, and uh, so we we text all the time, as you know, Dan. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think yesterday would have been a really interesting time to to think about Billy Gilmore for a longer period of time, you know, whether that was a half or, or maybe even starting. Um, and again, I think, I think Mason's done the best that he can, especially after two, what looked like horrible ankle injuries earlier in the season. Um, you know, both were kind of not great tackles. So uh, I think he's, he's doing what he can, but I think to Joe's earlier point, one of the things that has kind of surprised me, or I guess two of the things that have surprised me about his evolution throughout the season have been one, his inability uh, to this point to time those late runs. Uh, so if we have a cutback that for all intents and purposes, the season have, have been behind the player that it's targeted for, you know, he, he would hypothetically be there to clean those up. Um, so I think that's an area that I'm always looking for him to, to shore up in his game. And then, to me, I think just some of those attacking passes or, or key passes in dangerous areas, uh, Dan, those are those are two things that maybe with a little rest and, and a little bit of a, a different perspective could could really help this team run better. I mean, his work rate is unquestioned. You know, he has the second most goal scored in the team, uh, which is, you know, I think part of part of the problem um, uh, just with other contributions across the team in, in terms of goal scoring but i think those are the two areas that i would look for him to to improve should he have the chance to get a rest yeah i i don't think it's been good from a obviously we will we'll talk in the second podcast we dropped this week about just maybe the overall squad composition as a whole but having to play uh, on the wing or having to play in midfield and having to transition back and forth because either christian is injured or uh, some some combination of, of Conte or, or Kovacic has been uh, injured out of form at times. You know, Mason has kind of been the plug him in and just count on him to be available. And I, I know that, Nick, you're a fan of your uh, availability is one of the best ability quotes that you yep. uh, drop on the podcast, but he's made himself available. And even though he's been uh, carrying some knocks, which, uh, you know, again, I, I think has to help contextualize I think some of the performances that if if you know he's going in and only going to be able to give you an eight but his eight might be more consistent or reliable than some of the you know other performances we've seen this season you know obviously if we think about Pedro's performance in this game uh, would you rather have Mason or Pedro on the wing if if William or if you know, Christian was out for maybe a, a more significant period of time I think we we probably know our answer there that we'd rather try uh, Mason for a little bit of a longer time, but switching gears and thinking about other youth players who maybe are having uh, having some performances of note. Got to talk about Tamori being back. Got to talk about Big Fick, Big Fick Energy, who was on loan with Hull two years ago. Saw the pitch for the first time since our last FA Cup match versus Nottingham Forest. Not only deliver a resolute defensive performance, but also scored the go-ahead goal I mean, Joe, maybe we could kind of just think about like, what is he, you know, where where is he in the center back power rankings for you? And, and, you know, what does he do differently than maybe a a Rudiger, a Zuma, a a Christensen? What, what does he actually bring when he's on the pitch? Uh, It's a good question. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Tamori. I think, I think personally he's, he's my, he's my favorite center back that we have. 
Um, I think I think it's a mixture of that he has he has the the sort of recovery speed that you would want. I think he has slightly better uh, like better defensive instincts for me. I think he's a little bit more of an actual defender. Um, has the has the physicality. Has a little bit of an edge in terms of his play. Um, I think he's better on the ball probably than than what people give you know give uh, him credit for as well. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to mistake him for Franz Beckenbauer, but I mean he does have a a decent sort of distribution, um, particularly into midfield, which I think again is one of our sort of ways that we struggle. But I just feel a little bit that 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 we're a little bit more solid when he plays there. Um, particularly, I, I do like his his partnership with with Zuma. I think that we have a little bit more physicality back there. And uh, you know, when you're looking at um, how we defend set pieces in particular, I think that when you have Zuma tomorrow, I'm a little bit more confident in there. I know that we we conceded from from sort of that sort of area, but I'm a little bit more confident with them two in there than, than maybe some others that we have. Um, I think that he he's not as rash as, as Rudiger. Um, I think Rudiger can certainly uh, make some some pretty daft challenges at times and, and lose concentration, which I think is you know one of his his sort of bigger faults. And Christensen, I think although he's played very well the, the past couple of games, he's been back. I just think that uh, Tomori, particularly, you know, when you're playing against teams who have an incredibly quick either inside forwards like a Liverpool or someone who's got a, a very quick centre forward, that having his his ability to to sort of chase back is is, is very, very, very much key. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just see him as as being a player maybe that you would want to want to try and find a a better centre-back maybe in the summer to pair with him because I think he, he has long-term potential here. Um, not as clumsy as Zuma, and I'm not saying Zuma is a clumsy player, but... You know, he, there is a little bit element of, of rawness still in Zuma's game. I think maybe isn't quite there with Tomori, and, and that could be just a personal preference thing as well. But I, I do, I do like Tomori for me. As, as I said, I think he's he's certainly our, our best centre back in my opinion. Yeah, the the I think the point that we made earlier in the season is some of the the passing between Tomori and Kepo was was yeah. a little suspect. Um, you know, so that that's obviously a thing that they're trying to you know figure out in terms of just passing flow, but it seemed to me like Caballero was was constantly talking and and, and making sure that uh, all all of the backline kind of knew what he wanted them to do, which uh, was an interesting kind of dynamic from our from our normal setup. So, I mean, I, first of all, I think we could talk about the goal. Right, the goal was great. He headed the ball down, and I can't tell you how many times off of crosses that I've been waiting for a Chelsea player to head the ball down and see what happens. Um, Tammy obviously got a weird one uh, a couple of weeks ago um, against Burnley, but I think that's something that just from like a form perspective, I was super yeah. pleased with. Uh, and then, you know, it, for Tamori, I think specifically, if he can be a threat, you know, four or five times a season off of set pieces, that changes the calculus on him a little bit, Joe, because I think he goes from being, uh, you know, really nice, defensive player with great speed and awareness to a kind of an all round, you know, tough, you know, goal scoring, you know, has a little bit of, of that in his game. I think that makes a huge difference for, for the pecking order. Uh, I'm not sure if I would have him, you know, first, second, third or fourth, because all of our center backs have now had a pretty decent run in the side. And there hasn't been a combination where I'm like, that's the thing. Those are the two, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think we've really had anyone sort of separate themselves from the pack. Um, 
and I think that probably has has been the reason that Lampard has chopped and changed so much. I mean, you know, general kind of rule of thumb is that you do not want to really be be changing your your kind of centre back pairing as frequently as we have this season. And again, it could just be a perception thing. I haven't looked to the numbers on this, but it does feel like we change that pairing more more than, than most teams around us in in the Premier League certainly. Um, but I think it comes from again, it's it's one of these things where you know it, it's sort of the the we have some very kind of distinct and not that many overlapping skill sets. So, you know, I think when Christensen doesn't play, I'm not sure if we're as good if we're looking at sort of a technical defensive partnership in terms of playing out from the back. When he plays, I think we, we lack a little, little bit of physicality when he plays. When Zuma and Tomori play, maybe you're look, lacking some some technical ability. When Rudiger's in there, it's kind of similar. So I, I'm not sure really if we have a, the, the perfect blend that I think Lampard would be, would be looking for. Um, I certainly agree, you know, I... I often make the comparison with with Tomori to to William Gallas, and Gallas was one of these players who we frequently popped up with with goals from set pieces, and and you know I think the the knack there for Gallas was that he had this this almost kind of uh, you know supernatural ability to to determine where a second ball was going to be, the amount of of times that he scored from a flick on or a knockdown or or a rebound or something like that was 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 pretty unerring for a centre back. So you know, I think again, if you're looking at ways to to separate four players who are you know, I mean, there's for me personally. I think Tomori's the better, better player out of all four. But that's just a personal thing. It's we're not talking about miles between players. We're talking sort of you know feet and inches between uh, between sort of the, the the whole group. So I think if you're going to look at things, you're going to start separating them. You know, particularly towards the end of the season, and particularly in a team where it seems to be that uh, you know kind of taking our chances is the thing that is is kind of costing us sort of games and, and allowing the the sort of games to slip away from us when we're either in the lead or chasing them. Is is going to be the fact that I think Tomori does seem to have that little bit of a knack to to find a goal in him. So it's a it's a really good point. And I think again, you know, coming towards the uh, the sort of the running now period, that, that any sort of goals from any areas are going to be a bonus. And I think if that's if that's Tomori's kind of you know unique selling point compared to the other defenders, then. I think that puts him in a little, little bit of a better stead to, to play with more regularity. Oh, we saw Opta Joe tweeting it out that two for Kyle has scored as many goals at 21 appearances for Chelsea in all competitions this season, too, as he has netted in 55 matches for Derby County last Perfect. term. Daylight. Yeah, just uh, you know, a, a much better element there. And, you know, I think, Nick, if you know, we saw him contribute four goals or five goals a season with a high-level regularity. I think it's good. it would be really hard to spell him out of the side in addition to doing things that I enjoy from a center back, like kicking the ball out of bounds versus trying to just <laughs> play it out from the back wildly. Like, I don't know. And maybe that's against what Frank would rather have them do. Maybe he does want them to play out of the back. Just stylistically, I don't enjoy that. I would rather take the safe route. And I know that we've been absolutely terrible with set pieces but you know sometimes i would rather try the luck with the set piece um and defending the corner kick versus just being absolutely potentially like you know half a pass away from giving it over in the box maybe in a bad you know two-on-one or one-v-one situation yeah i mean i think that's fair um you know to to me i think it's just it's situational awareness right it's knowing that you're up against it. You just have to close out these last few minutes and you win the game. And so if booting it out of the stadium, Joe is, is the thing that gets you across the line, then do it. You know, I, I think this, yeah. the false narrative of always having to play out of the back to, to achieve quote unquote total or real football is just, 
is just not realistic for a team that's in four competitions and needs to win all the yeah, time. Yeah, and I, I think it also comes into play. I mean, I don't think I'm dropping any any particular truth bombs here, but we're, but we're not the, the best team at the moment in terms of just general ability. So, you know, the fact that we're we're trying to to play sort of little triangles out of out of defence and moving into midfield, etc. I mean, we're, we're certainly nowhere near that level in terms of the, the, the sort of the, the personnel available, the the overall direction that Lampard is trying to take the team. And yeah, I mean, you know, we go back to the Arsenal game. I mean, it just takes a you know, half a second to just smash that ball into touch instead of trying to faff around with it, which obviously then leads to the uh, leads to the eventual equaliser from Arsenal. And I don't know. I mean, slight slight tangent here, but the the kind of game management from the players, I think, often is is something that, that's overlooked a little bit because there are, you know, an awful lot of international footballers in that team. A lot of guys who have played, you know, at the professional level for a, for a significant part of their career. And I think sometimes the the decisions that they're making, I'm, I'm talking about Emerson in particular, not to clear the ball to me is is actually is actually quite baffling. I mean, you you, you expect to, to you know that that period of the game, you've you've almost just stolen three points with. We've kind of taking a little bit of an undeserved, you know, lead towards the very, very end of the game, and instead of just getting rid of the ball and reorganising and and actually realising that you know Tammy Abraham can't actually move, um, you know, you, you try and faff around with it, and, and it, it ends up kind of you know being the situation that we saw unfold. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit problematic that you know we can talk about Lampard's in-game management, and people like to focus on that very much on social media, but. You know, there are times where I think Lampard will expect players to do the competent and simple thing, which is often, you know, in in these periods of the games, is just to launch the ball as far from the goal as possible, and then set and then set the <laughs> set the defence, set the midfield, and if Tammy can't move, then you know, just tell him to just stand up front or whatever, you know. But it's it's this weird decision making where I think some players feel that they have to, you know, kind of I think as uh, as, as Brandon was alluding to and, and Nick as well, you know, that have to sort of live up to this kind of Joga Benita kind of tiki-taka Barcelona style of play where, you know, launching it is is some sort of act that they're going to be burned at the stake for. You know, they won't. It probably would have got us, probably would have, you know, got us three points against Arsenal. Um, and again, I think, you know, if you look at the, uh, some of the times that we've seen this season, the, the overplaying that we've had in, in moments has certainly cost us in, not, not in terms of goals, but often in terms of putting us under unnecessary pressure. And it's something that I would really like to see the, uh, the the sort of coaching staff and the players eradicate as we move towards the end of the season. Well, let's let's kind of hear from Frank. So we're going to play his post match comments from the fifth stand app. He had a couple of things to say around Mishi, Billy, the upcoming matches, transfers, and we'll kind of dive into where his head is at right after we hear from him directly. Frank, well done. Uh, through to the next round wouldn't be us at the moment if we didn't make it a bit nervy, but mission accomplished nonetheless. Yeah, mission accomplished, which is always the first thing because these are tough games, no matter what. Um, but we could have made it less tough because I think in the first half we get a goal, uh, opportunities to command the game more, opportunities to score more, which would finish it ish at half time, and we we didn't take those. So I was not that delighted at half time. I think we could have been more clinical in all parts of our game. But get a second goal, um, have to show a little bit of character at the end. But yeah, there are, there are things that are a little bit regular at the moment that we want to get better, and that was a bit of a show of that today. Quite difficult, I guess, for you and the other coaches to, to work on that clinicalness because what is it? Is it just repetition of, of yeah. taking shots and trying to get these chances away? It's not necessarily something you can teach, I guess. Ah, well, you, you, you certainly can work on it, and, uh, and we do a lot. Um, maybe we're in a bit of a period, but this season it's that feeling, and we, we're all Chelsea fans. We all feel it. I feel it on the line. It's our job, but the fans feel it because 
you know, if you're not going to take teams out of the game, you, you, they remain in the game. Uh, and one moment, one nervy moment, one deflected free kick, and it all changes. So we, we know the rules, and we're working. We're working constantly, and, and the players have to take it on board because it's obviously so important because it defines the game. Big for Mishy to get his goal, uh, especially if he might be needed if, if Tammy's out for a little while. That must have pleased you. Yeah, pleased me because um, strikers and goal scorers live off goals. It gives them confidence and uh, and that I liked. I, you know, I like parts of his game today as well, how he was working the line, leading the line. And it's not it's not easy when you come into the team, obviously, but you have to take your opportunities and you have to train at a really high level to be ready to take them. And uh, as I say, with goal scorers, the, the goal is the, is a key thing. We've just spoken to, to Billy Gilmore. You'd never believe he was a teenager if you just watched him play. So mature. No, I just got asked in the media about bringing him on at that time because he's so young. Well, it's because I trust him. I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch in the time he was on. Moved the ball well, played the simple pass, very aware. He's got a bit of character if he needs to stick his foot, foot in. So, really pleased with him. Free week before Leicester, which is obviously a huge game for us, but plenty of opportunity to get back on the training ground and work on things like finish. Yeah, a bit of rest for the players. It's a tough match for them there. Um, and work. Yeah, going into Leicester, they're a very good team. They've shown that this season and uh, we're not far away from them and we should be closer for sure. But we're not far, but you know, complete respect for them as a team um, and we need to be ready. I'll get told off if I don't ask you the obligatory transfer question. Are you expecting anything to happen in the next few days? Uh, well, we're we're working behind the scenes. I think you know we've spoken a lot about it, and of course we missed a window. Um, so if we can bring the right player, it's not the easiest window. We know that in, in in January, but in the short term, I think it's important for us, and we know that we're working together to try and get it right. Last one. This is a special competition for you as a player. Mm. I'm guessing that you'd like it to be a special one for you as a manager as well, and follow Luca Vialli and Robbie Di Matteo as Chelsea players who've won it. As both a player and a manager. Yeah, I thought you get, there's another competition you were talking about that I didn't know. This competition, of course, I, I enjoyed winning it. It's great. I, I grew up on the FA Cup. I know what it means to the fans, you know, the atmosphere from our away fans who travelled up here a long way. Thanks very much for every one of them that came up here and uh, and they follow us and we have to respect that. But yes, we want to we want to get to Wembley. It's going to be a tough road. I hate to, to jump too far ahead. We have to go round by round. But of course, I want to win it as a manager. All right. Well, a lot of topics covered by Frank there. Obviously, a mission accomplished around a tough game. Uh, obviously, we've talked a little bit about the clinicality earlier, but we mentioned him once or twice, Nick, and Billy Gilmore did have a cameo appearance today. Frank had some very nice words around Billy's conclusion in the match. Uh, how did you feel, and, and do you think he, you know, the worthy of the praise he got from Frank today? <laughs> I, you know, I, I trust Frank to, to see what he sees. <clears throat> to me, you know, when Billy was on the pitch, we probably had our, our poorest spell of the game, Joe, and... You know, if he was the bright light in, in kind of an abject way to close the game, then I then I suppose that's right. Um, I would expect a guy who, you know, has come on for for 15 or 20 minutes to, to have a lot of energy to buzz around to try and win the ball back to make some some good passing decisions. Um, it, he didn't shine necessarily to me like like he did to Frank, which I suppose is why I'm not the uh, the manager of Chelsea Football Club, but wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, um, I think Frank was was a little bit sort of being uh, I don't want to use the term cute, but he was he was certainly I think taking away from maybe some of the other performers who you who maybe could have been focused on not not and not good performances. I'm talking about some players who I felt were, were particularly poor. Um, I think he did okay when he came on. I mean, there are there are the same questions that I have about him that I have about Jorginho. I have about other players who who lack a bit of that physicality and a bit of athleticism to play particularly against championship teams. I mean, you know, you're talking about teams who, 
who absolutely can run for 90 minutes are full of physical players and, and certainly would, would enjoy getting into a, 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 a young Scottish kid coming on as a, as a substitute. Um, I think he kept the, the, the plane neat and tidy. I think he, I can't remember giving the ball away too often, if at all. Um, so made some made some nice passes. Um, you know, sort of, I think, kind of performed okay. I mean, again, I think he's he's another player that I think probably has suffered a little bit from from a lack of football. And he looks, to me, in terms of some of the decisions that he made, where maybe, you know, would have expected him to play a, a slightly more trickier pass or take the the more difficult option at times instead of keeping it simple. I think that, that reflects a little bit of, of, of sort of ring rustiness when he comes on. Um, and you, you sort of have to question really at this point, particularly in, in this kind of early stage of his career, whether you know maybe going out on loan would have been a slightly better move for him because he's, he's barely figured really in terms of in terms of sort of the first team picture this season and whether actually going in on somewhere like the championship and trying to sort of get him accustomed to to adult football would be better for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know I, I don't think it was. Uh, it wasn't kind of a, a cameo where you could, you know, take a lot of positivity out of it. I think it was a was a decent enough kind of uh, period when he, you know, when he came on. But as as Nick alludes to, it was in a, a stage where I think we were slipping a little bit out of control, and, and maybe to to expect someone coming on to play there. I'm not sure how many appearances he's made now, but you know, somebody who's coming on in the very very kind of early stages of their Chelsea career to sort of come on and add some control to a game was was also a little bit maybe a responsibility too far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he some nice touches, some nice little passes and stuff like that. But but certainly not something to me that you can you can sort of shout home about. And it, it does look to me like he he's suffering from a lack of football. And I would seriously look at the, taking that into consideration as we come to sort of the the last moments of the January transfer window, because you don't want to have another seat, you know, another uh, two three months before he might make another appearance in the first team. He needs to be, in my opinion, at least trying to play some some form of first team football this season with. with a bit more regularity than what we're seeing at the moment. I think that's a really great shout there, especially as we talk about the end of the transfer window. And Nick, I, I felt like Frank on the Fistan interview was a, a little bit cooler and calmer uh, slightly than his Sky Sports interview after the match in regards to what we need to see from a, a transfer perspective here. But uh, what was your read or your take on that situation? Uh, I mean, we were kind of talking about this in our in our group text with Joe yesterday. It, he's clearly signaling... And he has, he's been cool up to this point, but I think this was kind of a, a game that he, I think, needed to make a statement to the board uh, through the media. And I think he clearly wants uh, an option or two more, um, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm reading be- between the lines okay there. Um, to, yeah, I think he realizes to get over the finish line and the finish line being top four in the Premier League, that we probably need a little bit of of addition um, and and not addition by subtraction, you know, with other players leaving, but but quality players in, in the January window. We all know that's tough. Uh, we we don't, you know, I don't think anybody who listens to the show is under any illusion that signing players in January is easy or even necessarily smart. But when you're when you're kind of up against it and you're lacking, uh, you know, a, a a true, you know, kind of competitor for Tammy. You're lacking, you know, a creative playmaker. If if Mason's a little banged up, uh, I think all of these things are, are pretty well known. Um, and Frank's already admitted to not looking at defenders in the window. So you can pretty much Joe uh, through through uh, his interviews and through his his kind of previous comments on the window, kind of assert that he is 
uh, you know, very much looking at how this team uh, becomes more clinical up front, and that's probably through addition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's becoming very clear that that Lampard wants to add another. You could say either someone who's an, an extremely creative player or someone who is a, is a goal scorer to the squad. And this doesn't necessarily mean a centre forward. I think this could also mean a a wide player or a, a just a creative midfielder in, in that respect. Um, you know, there, there have obviously been some some very um, at least public links in terms of, of media coverage of players. I'm not sure how true all of these have been. Um, I would say that probably the the earliest link in the window with with Chelsea around Wolf Saha was probably the most likely in terms of you know information that the, the agents and other people that I speak to around Chelsea saying that there was there was certainly a definite interest in him, but not at 80 million and certainly not at 200,000 pounds a week. So I think once that kind of, that sort of uh, move, you know, Palace kind of priced Saha a little bit out of moving away in January, then I think realistically it's it's been a question of, of, of the club not really wanting to to make some of the mistakes they've made historically. I mean, there aren't too many players out there that you would be able to go and get in January for a fee that is... Is is not completely and utterly over the odds. It would have drastically improved this this Chelsea team. And you know, people might look at, at Haaland. He went to Dortmund, but I mean, you know, he's 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 going there for a reason. He's not really going to consider any other clubs. Um, and and beyond sort of him there, I mean, you you can again maybe name some some players that are playing well in the Premier League. You know, Brendia, uh, etc. From, from from Norwich and a few other players that people have, have have sort of said in terms of Premier League players that could come in and, and help in that sort of final third efficiency in, in terms of creativity or goal scoring. But again, you know, that's a player that, that potentially is, is going to be be significantly overpriced. And, and certainly there's no onus, obviously, on, on Norwich to, to to sell him. Um, you know, again, if you look at uh, um, you know, a number of other players, I think, around the, the that, that maybe people would have been interested in. I just don't think that really the, the circumstances are there. And you know, I think fans also, you know, we can't sort of have it have it both ways in that there's an expectation that the the club, now that we can sign players, just go and sign any player for any particular reason. It's why we you know we've got into situations with players like you know Danny Drinkwater and and and, and Olivier Giroud, and you could argue around the you know Emerson Palmier and a few other players that we've kind of gone out and bought because they were sort of the only players available if the club have taken an, an opinion that they don't think either the value is there, the talent is there, or the players are there, then and that's 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 their opinion, and, and they will stick to that. So, you know, I, I can certainly see where Lampard's frustration is coming from. Um, then my question would be in terms of going out and, and getting you know, getting a realistic player in it, and you know, that's the the key word and the key emphasis on realistic. Kind of find something realistic that Chelsea could buy, it would improve the team in January. Is is not as easy as I think people are making out. You know, you're not you're not going to go and buy Jadon Sancho. You're not going to go and buy. Um, certain other players and there may be players that people think that you know that you, you might be able to get in on loan who who might not fit the system you know if, if Madrid are are looking to ship someone like Luka Jovic for example on loan it's fairly clear to me that that's because he they, they don't feel that he can play in a, a loan striker system um, and lead the line so you know what what is he going to do at Chelsea if Chelsea only also play a, a loan striker system so I don't think that there's there's an awful lot really out there that I would consider um that, that would improve Chelsea from an attacking perspective without going and, and massively overspending. So the question comes down to, personally, do you do you want to add someone like Zaha for £80 million and £200,000 a week on a five-year contract, someone of, of, a, of a similar value or go you know, go over the top and, and try and put in a, a, well, you know, a record bid for, for someone like someone like Jadon Sandra who Dortmund will never, ever sell in January? So 
it's a little bit like a rock on a hard place for, for the club. I, I can see that where Lampard's coming from. Completely agree with his, with his assessment that we need to add more creativity to the uh, to sort of the, the team and more goals to the team. But it's it's a difficult situation, um, particularly when you know the players that are being linked to either don't seem to be you know really players that I think Chelsea are going to be able to get, or um, players that have just you know kind of been priced out of moves by their own clubs. Yeah, I would add to that too. You know, you're talking about, um, and I think it's it's easy to to look at the buying team and say, <clears throat> okay, well, the buying team has money, therefore players should be available and yeah. we should get them. There's also a, a selling team that has to do a little bit of calculus on their end too, Dan, and, and say like, Oh, can we afford to lose this person? Uh, can, you know, what, what's the, what's the right money to make this work? So it's, it's really easy to look at this from the one way Chelsea perspective and say like Buendia, for example, may not be that expensive compared to other options, but why would Norwich who is fighting for their lives at the bottom of the championship, get rid of him in, in, in this crucial moment of their season, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. So you have to find a lot of uh, a lot of things go right uh, for for a January transfer to happen. But you know it's clear that Frank wants somebody regardless. Yeah, you, you need a a willing partner to sell, and the moment that you don't have someone who is willing to move on, and you know we saw this with Christian last season, right, where we signed him in January but had to loan him back, and you know, I think that's something people have thought about, but. I mean, the reality of the situation, and you know, we'll, we'll talk more about this in particular in our next episode of the week, that you know we, we don't know if we'll finish top four. We don't know if we'll be able to count on Champions League funding or lower for next season. And that creates a little bit of a recruitment challenge as well from being able to plan what you have to spend and knowing you know if you're going to be able to offer the type of football that players want. But we will get into that in our next episode of the week. We will quickly run through... Our Dan in the match poll here, Nick. No surprise, Tamori, 61.4% of the vote ahead of Kovacic, minus the own goal is that piece at 31.2%. <laughs> Mishi at 6.2 and other at 1.3. And uh, no one really gave a gave a true write-in there. So I just, you know, why would you put in other and then not do a write-in? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Clearly, it's Tamori. Tamori was excellent yesterday. Uh, I think handled himself well. Again, we have to factor in it was against championship level opposition, so I'm not I'm not going too crazy. But uh, you know, for a guy who got a chance to prove himself again, he took that chance, and I think should be really happy with his performance. And as it stands, we are advancing to the fifth round of the FA Cup. Not the case for every Premier League side. Burnley getting knocked out by Norwich. We have. Uh, Man United, who are uh, cruising and have found their level completely against uh, Tranamere right now. <laughs> you know, Jesse Lingard scoring uh, again for the first time in a really long time. He just you know needed to be at the right level, so good for him. Uh, Man City crushing Fulham. You know, someone between Bournemouth or Arsenal will get knocked out. Uh, I imagine Liverpool will beat Strawberry. Strawberry. Um, Sheffield Strawberry United. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tottenham and Southampton forced into a replay, which is fantastic. Newcastle has to play again against Oxford. We have Leicester who advance. We have Sheffield who beat QPR, Sheffield Wednesday beating QPR. Derby and Northampton are going to be playing each other. Portsmouth goes ahead. Reading and Cardiff have to play again. Birmingham and Coventry have to play again. Uh, just 
so there, there, there definitely, you know, Joe is a likelihood that we could play a non-Premier League side in the next round and uh, get a chance to hopefully get into the uh, sixth round with maybe some easy competition again. Yeah, and I think at this point, I mean, you know, part of me and, and maybe being a little bit uh, defeatist here, but you know, if we're looking at, at top four as being the, the priority of the season, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world if we get knocked out of this competition and play less games. But, uh, you know, given that I'm, I, I don't sort of sit in that kind of negative space for too long. I mean, I'd, I'd love to just get any kind of lower league team. I think always a, a good away trip somewhere um, to, to anyone really is, is, is always a good bet. Maybe not championship. If there's anyone outside the championship, then that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see see who we eventually get. But hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully someone in the lower league so we can either rest a load of players and play some youngsters. Um, or not have to uh, necessarily take it super seriously with the the full champ team. That would be wonderful. Well, we are going to wrap up this episode, but don't worry. We have another one coming at you again with our friend Joe Tweeds. So we will end this one. We'll thank you for listening. We are through to the next round of the FA Cup. And until our next episode, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. The blue flag flying high.